Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us, so I'm curious to hear a little bit about what we'll be talking about before we uh, get into a little discussion about how life is. Sure. So my article is actually a bit of a departure from things that we typically do. It's a research report on Iceland and Iceland's journey to a shorter working week. Uh, So it's super exciting. I think it's really interesting. Um, Also very accessible to everybody. So we'll link to it so you can read it and dive into it yourselves. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun topic. So I can't wait to talk about it. That's so exciting. Iceland. You know, I I know that uh, we've talked about Finland before on this show. Yes, so we're just we have. <laughs> round round in the the lens. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I I feel like um I feel like it's really a good practice for us to take a pause sometimes and learn about best practices from other places because we can get so tangled up in what we see as being normal that we sometimes forget that there are like other options that might not even be options for us currently, but are options elsewhere that we could consider and learn from. So anytime we can like telescope out and take a global view, I think it's really helpful because good ideas come from seeing what other people are doing. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's actually fascinating to me because, well, I'll talk about this as we dive into it more, but In the report about what they found, they talk about how, like, Iceland has such an overwork culture compared to its, like, Nordic sister countries, if you will. And I found it pretty interesting, given that I think we come from a culture of even more overwork. So I, it's like, just depends on who you're comparing yourself to, right? As to what looks good and what looks maybe not so good. So I found that fascinating. That's super interesting. And I never really knew that about Iceland. Um, I feel like I don't really know a lot about Iceland in general. So I'm curious to learn more. Like, um, it's not really a place that I've ever like looked into to like travel or anything like that. I know people who have been and it's supposed to be beautiful. Um, but it's not anywhere that I've ever actually done like a deep dive in terms of research on. So I'm curious to learn more about um, Iceland myself because I feel like that's an area I could improve on yeah I actually really want to go soon so Danny and I are talking about going next year at some point to Ooh. Iceland so I might read this article and then go up there and then never leave who knows <laughs> yeah that's true well when we did the episode a long time ago on Finland I remember we were like we're moving to Finland <laughs> that's it we want to move to Finland like we were very pumped about the idea of like going someplace new so not that you'll move there but maybe this will inspire you to uh want to take a little trip over there yeah I think so I mean it seems like a beautiful place so just in and of itself the way the the landscape and all that looks really cool so one day we'll get there and maybe if I can bear the cold I might decide that I want a shorter work week too and move to Iceland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey. And uh, speaking of uh, little trips and taking little trips, you're about to go on a little trip, right? Soon. Yes. I'm off to Florida. Very different weather than Iceland. Yeah. Not quite Iceland. <laughs> Not quite. You know, less like giant volcanoes, more flat 
swampy water stuff <laughs> and humid versus Wet, cold. Swampy water stuff. <laughs> yeah, I really mean like Everglades. Everglades. You're really selling yes. it. <laughs> I know that didn't sound very nice to Florida, but it's a very okay. different type of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very flat versus very not flat, and cold yes. versus hot, and and alligators versus penguins, puffins. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not Do penguins. Puffins. Puffins. Okay. Yes, penguins are only in the southern hemisphere. Oh. Um. So it's just puffins up there. Oh. Which is another funny bird, but <laughs> different but kind not of funny a bird. Penguin. I not don't know that I've ever seen a puffin in person. I feel like I've seen plenty of penguins at the zoo. And actually, I saw penguins. Were you there? Yeah. Wait. For Siap in Hawaii. For Siap in Hawaii and the hotel where it was in, they had penguins in the fountain. What? Yeah. You, they they have penguins like actual little, penguins little penguins that are like indigenous to Hawaii. I don't remember this at all. It was I think in the little fountain. No, I have pictures of it. Liar. I it was the weirdest thing. I'm liar. not. I swear to you, the penguins of the Hilton, whatever. <laughs> I am looking this up right now. I'm like I'm serious. There was oh penguins my god, there. penguins Hawaii Hilton that you. comes up when you put in penguins and Hilton. Uh, I know they were these little penguins. They were so cute. That is so random, but I don't think they're indigenous. I'm just going to say that. But like, how do they, but wouldn't it be like rude to bring them there? They were like outside. I mean, bring them to zoos. I know, but they weren't like in a thing. They were like wandering around the premises. But they don't like fly. I know, but like, I always thought at a zoo, they would have to be like temperature controlled and like, you know what I mean? Like it's in like a habitat. This was just like I live in Hawaii. Like it was just roaming around like anybody anyone else. It says the hilt the penguins have been gone for several years. So how weird is that that we've been there oh my God. so long that uh oh, we haven't penguins. been there in so long that now the penguins are gone. Penguins are gone. I wonder if they were yeah. like, I wonder if it was like mean to them. My God. Maybe I'm I don't promoting think... a bad practice. Yeah, I do I'm like 99% sure they were not indigenous. Um, they were to, on vacation. Yeah, to Hawaii. And I'm pretty sure they were just like pet penguins, basically. Oh my God. Um, well, that's so anyways. happy. <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> they, you can see penguins <laughs> in the zoo or in the southern hemisphere. You cannot see them in Hawaii anymore. <laughs> Maybe at a zoo in Hawaii. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. Not at the Hilton. It sounds like <laughs> they're not there anymore. That's so that funny. Like Anyways. the biggest like digression we've ever had, I think, on this entire <laughs> podcast. I think it might be because I just don't remember the penguins at all. Like at all at all. I have zero memory of this. And then now that I'm like reading these forums. Yeah. Like it looks like. I mean, we were there like seven years ago, I think. Yeah. Because uh, it's around it the same time that I started my last job. Um. And it says that, like, somebody four years ago said that they're not there anymore. So My you God. just got the last view of penguins, basically. Oh, I'm so lucky. <laughs> Counting my blessings today here. Um, that's, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, but anyway, if you uh, go to 
if you go to Iceland, you won't see them. And if, when you go to Florida, you won't see them. So there's not penguins no. in your future either. I don't think so. No. But what about what's in your future? Do you have anything fun um, coming up? I have no future. Uh, <laughs> now, that the, now that the penguins are gone from the Hawaiian Hilton, I have nothing to live for. Um, no, I, um, I have, <laughs> I don't have uh, too much going on. There's nothing happening like this weekend. Although I will give a little shout um, because uh, I know she listens. Our friend Anne. I'm gonna get together with Anne on Saturday. Uh, oh, and jealous. Yeah, I haven't seen her since before COVID. So, oh my gosh, um, so jealous. So, yeah, we're going to go get brunch. Um, she said the only criteria for brunch is that it has to have good Bloody Marys. So she's <laughs> trying to find a place. Um, so we're going to go to brunch on Saturday. And then we're going to have dinner with some friends. Um, and that's about it. And then the following weekend is the Academy of Management Conference. So I won't be doing much of anything then. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was just running around a whole bunch because I was in Philly for a week and blah, blah. So I feel like now I'm in like a home mode. Well, that's good. Sometimes home mode is definitely necessary. Yeah. And hanging out with friends again. So jealous. That'll be so fun. I know. I am really excited. I know. I know. I'm really excited. I don't know where we're going to go. Maybe somewhere in Alexandria or in Arlington. Um, But, you know, it's very, it's very exciting. I like haven't been to brunch in like, I mean, that sounds so basic of me. I'm like, I haven't been to brunch in like a year and a half, (laughs) but I really, brunch is important. I know. Brunch is important. I know it's basic, but I love it. So I support you getting brunch. I truly have not been. So I am very excited about that. Um, and I haven't seen Sharon either. Um, so it'll be a nice little get together. Um, so that'll be lovely. And that's basically Good. all I have going on. Yeah. Not too much. Not too much else. Um, but while I am here thinking of being or while I'm here at home, I could be thinking about Iceland. And so I'm curious what my <laughs> thoughts might be filled about if I were to think about Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that could come to mind, but w- you'll think about my story for you probably the most now that I'm sharing this. You're right. So let me tell you about this report. Um, it's on a website, uh, which I'll link to everything, but basically there's like a think tank um, that worked on a study here. So it's the think tank is called Autonomy. It says it's an independent progressive think tank that focuses on the future of work and Ooh. economic planning. Mm, so they wrote the report. I know. It seems super cool. Uh, the report is called Going Public, Iceland's Journey to a Shorter Working Week. It was just published uh, in June of 2021. And the authors on the report are going to have names that are hard to pronounce um <laughs> Haraldson and Kellum okay not as bad the first name was worse um yeah. so those two were the authors and this was in conjunction with ALDA which is the Association for Democracy and Sustainability which is an Icelandic organization focusing on exactly that democracy sustainability and other related areas such as work so it's a nonprofit, cool. and so they worked on this project as well with autonomy. So it's the two of them that did this together. 
Nice. Well, that sounds awesome. I like that you're veering into more of like a think tanky type report as opposed to the peer review type articles that we usually do because you know it's good to spice things up a little bit and also there's good so research spicy that exists <laughs> so spicy spicy <laughs> I see um but if you but it is uh it is good to look outside the peer-reviewed research too just to get a little bit of a different sense of the type of research that people do when they're not worried about publishing it in an academic journal on the back end you can be a little bit more just solely practically oriented, which I think has a lot of value. So, um, totally. so that's cool. So what, what did they look at? What's it about? So this study is super long. So the first trial, um, they basically had like two different trials they talk about. So it's the Reykjavik city trial, which went from 2014 to 2019. And then the Icelandic government trial, which went from 2017 to 2021. So what they did is they were really interested in understanding how can we make a shorter work week. So basically there were campaigns um, by trade unions and different civil society organizations within Iceland that were really wanting to push a shorter working week within the country. And this is because, as I mentioned, when they like compared themselves to their Nordic friends they actually were working more hours than everybody else, um, had the lowest rating of those countries when it comes to work-life balance and satisfaction with their work and their life. So that was a big piece too. They really wanted to, you know, you always hear like everyone in Sweden is super happy and everyone in Finland is super happy. Well, Iceland was not quite as happy as mm. their peers. They were and so there ice. was... Yeah. No <laughs> No, come on. There's like that. Uh, what's that saying? It's like Iceland is green it's and green Greenland and is something ice. Yeah, ice. Something. I don't know. There's like something, <laughs> something know. like that. I know they're not really covered in ice, but it just. I mean, I'm like sure there's some ice, but <laughs> probably. Somewhere. But uh, somewhere. But yeah, so there's like this big push and apparently this push for shorter working hours um, without a reduction in pay, which is key was something that's been prominently discussed across Europe. So us being kind of in our little bubble here in the U.S., I hadn't heard that there was like these big movements towards this, but apparently there have been. And so this work has kind of been the culmination of all that, right? They decided, let's do some big trials of these shorter working hours and see what happens um, if we do that within Iceland. And the thing that's really nice is because we had such a big study period, if you will, right? The first study started in 2014. The the good thing is that you can actually see how things changed in the sense that people are not sitting there like on a shorter work week for like a month and you're like, oh, well, you know, they just worked harder than everybody else for that month just, be, you know, during the working hours to make it seem good. They're doing it for a long time. <laughs> it's kind of hard yeah. to fake it. Yeah, that's so interesting. So um, so it's kind of like a natural experiment, right? That they're like investing like time and resources to try to see is this something that helps workers to be better? Um, and what were kind of the metrics that they were interested in looking at? So when they're saying like, oh, like what are the impacts of this? What are the sorts of things that they're interested in cutting back on or improving? So they wanted to see an improvement in work-life balance and they wanted to see either the maintenance or improvement of productivity, right? So either it doesn't change or it gets better. 
So that was a hope. Um, they just wanted, so basically they're like exploring how does this, how does this impact work-life balance and how does it impact productivity? Um, and that's it. Those are the two main goals, right? Can we understand this better? Like, can we understand how this impacts people's well-being? And they looked at a lot of different things, depending on which trial you're talking about, which, um, which studies, there's like a lot of studies within these that be, that looked at like different things like stress levels or, you know, service, uh, what they call it, I forgot what they called it, but like basically like the level of service that customers would be getting things like that based on mm-hmm. these changes and hours. So they looked at a number of different ways of getting at work-life balance and getting at productivity. Cool. So it's kind of like we've talked before about like the triple bottom line went in our sustainability episode. It's kind of like nice that they're not just like, okay, does this make people more productive? But they're also interested in, does it make people have better balance? So it's not just looking at one metric, which would be very, you know, organizational benefit focused, but also looking at like, does this actually make people healthier and happier? I think that that's really cool that they're taking both of those things into account because I would imagine if it had a negative impact on one or positive impact on the other, um, that they would be taking both of those things in conjunction when they're thinking about making the decision. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's super important to look at both. And like, obviously I would always lean towards the balance and people's happiness, but uh, businesses can't do that. So I, I am glad that they looked at both, which I think makes a much stronger argument for anyone else that might be interested in doing this. And what's also really interesting is that, and this is like something that I feel like we would never see in the States and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels very extreme compared to what we would typically see here like the government itself was like okay we'll be guinea pigs we'll do this and so they actually cut hours for some of their teams and employees and divisions and it wasn't just government there was some private organizations as well but they actually took a part took part in it and they had uh controls as well so they had some groups that did not lower their time and then other groups that did uh, so that they can compare to see, you know, what would happen across the board. And their that's time cool. differences were not huge. So that's also interesting to note, like basically the decrease in uh, in time that people were putting in at work was only like five or four or five hours a week. So it went from 40 hour weeks to like 35 hours or 36 hours, depending on the trial and the organization. So really just like cut off like half an hour at the end of the day or in the middle of the day That's or whatever. Cool. So they were so not huge. Less ending at like four or four thirty instead of five. Yeah. And, and it seemed like in some cases people were coming in later and in some cases people were ending earlier. Uh, the kind of, it wasn't necessarily strict to be one or the other, but the number of hours was reduced by only half a day. So not a crazy reduction, right? Some yeah. places they they just gave half days on every Friday. That was another option. Okay, gotcha. Like a summer Friday. People love the summer Friday. Yeah. I mean, I would. <laughs> I yeah. want a summer Friday. I but know. yeah. It's true. So it's it's interesting because they didn't do like a huge change in hours. So that's also kind of unique, I would say. Um, but they found some pretty pretty big impacts with that change okay cool well I'm excited to hear the impacts because it sounds like something that would be pretty if the 
if the impacts are good, it sounds like something that would be a pretty easy sell from the perspective of, you know, basically being able to convince someone that this short period of time might make a big difference. Yeah, I I feel like it is much easier sell than being like, we're just going to go to a full a four day, day work week. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier for people to swallow or for companies to swallow at first and then maybe that will help them expand their thinking a bit over time so when they looked at their results like overall just high level they did find that organizations that were in the trial maintained or increased their productivity Uh, so it depends on the organization some of them just maintained it which i think is good enough right they're doing the exact same amount of work for less in less time and some places actually increase their productivity and part of that seemed to be because they spent a, actually a decent amount of time figuring out what can work look like? How can we be more efficient in our tasks and in our work? And so because they had this moment of time to like really reevaluate how work was done, they made their work a lot more efficient. That's really cool. So like I know um, in psychology and some people might be familiar with this um, that are listening, but just in case not, um, there's this thing called the Hawthorne effect, which is basically like when you ask people questions about how to improve their jobs, just the, just by merit of going through the exercise of having people think about their jobs and how to improve it, their satisfaction and productivity can go up. So it seems like maybe some of what was happening too was like, you're asking us how to make our jobs more efficient. And in conjunction, you're giving us a benefit that we can work fewer hours, but you're actually like listening to us about what we could do to cut through some of the extra stuff that we're doing or the extra time or things that take longer than they should and making adjustments to save us time that then improve our workplace. And that process might also have something to do with why this boost in productivity was seen in some of the places where you know, if you're doing things inefficiently, that might be demotivating in and of itself. Exactly. Yes. But the good news is that this actually lasted for like five years, right? So these windows of time that they were doing this study, it's a really long period of time. So you're not seeing, so you see that effect, right? You could, it could be something like that that's happening initially, but over time, you're no longer thinking, oh, wow, I have a shorter week. Now it's just the norm. So that's really cool that they were able to do that and look at people for such a long period of time to really understand, you know, how are things going when it becomes a day-to-day norm versus just like we did this for a month and it worked, right? Yeah, yeah. And and some of it could be that, you know, if someone says like, what are the things in your job that are inefficient that we could cut out or make better so that you could get out of here earlier? um, That's a great, thing to do because not only are you getting the benefit of getting out earlier but there was probably some process improvement that went into that right so it could also be that people are happy to get out early and also like less frustrated by whatever it was that was in their way that was making them do the same amount of work but in a longer period of time Mm -hmm. yeah they talked a lot about like how they cut down their meetings and how they figured out how to work around you know like people really became more efficient around use knowing when an email is appropriate versus a meeting. So there was seemed to be like some things like that because there was no, there was an expectation that people would be able to leave earlier, not work over time, right. As much as possible. So all of those things kind of played into people doing the things that we know are best practice, but we kind of get stuck in sometimes. Um, when, when we know we have to work a million hours anyways, so whatever. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was the first main result. And then the second one was what you would expect from what we love to see is the improved well-being of the workers and their work-life balance. Um, So I'll talk about some of that in more depth, but just overall, we saw that these employees felt like they had more time for their families. They felt like they had more time to do other things outside of their work. They, They felt their stress levels go down. They were able to get more sleep, get more exercise, all the things that are fantastic that if you have more time, you can do. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, if you think about the way that our days are set up from a time perspective, and this is why so many places are going to more flexible scheduling, which it sounds like people could use the half hour or hour, however they wanted, but also, um, you know, the ability to sort of like stack and take an afternoon off or whatever. If you think about how like general life is set up, it's kind of set up sort of stupid from a time perspective. Like, (laughs) you know, you have like people generally work nine to five school goes from eight to three. Like, okay, well that's like silly. Right. Because like right. that doesn't align with ours. Then like businesses are open from nine to five. So like while you're at work, stuff you have to do is not open. I mean, obviously you can do so much online now, but like for things that you have to do in person, like you know, businesses are a lot of businesses closed during working hours. So you have to do those things during your free time, your off time on the weekends. Um, and then like all the errands that you have to do or things that you have to fit in. Meanwhile, like you might have some time where you could squeeze things in and some workplaces you're still not allowed to do that. So like a lot of things from a timing perspective are just set up silly in our work and lives that like things conflict or don't align. And so if you can use your time more wisely to make things more efficient. It makes so much more sense that that would have an impact on your work and family because you can be there for more stuff or you can arrange things in a way that makes more sense for you. Or, you know, you can cut down on some of those, uh, you know, negative overlaps that drive you nuts. So with regard to all of that, I think it's just like, it's helpful to have, it sounds like what they introduced was more efficiency and more flexibility And that's Mm got to help you to be able to make those puzzle pieces fit together in a more efficient manner. You're spot on. That's exactly what some of the quotes were about or, you know, people saying that they can now do their chores and errands and household tasks during the week so that the weekends were actually enjoyable versus full of, you know, housework instead of it's like you've got your work work and then your housework happens on the weekends. But now people felt like they had more time to actually do the enjoyable things on the weekends and the housework could get squeezed in in the evenings or in the mornings or whatever time that they had extra after their days were cut a little bit shorter. So I think that's a huge win. Yeah, I do too. And it's just like, you know, it's just interesting as we're growing and evolving in this space and thinking more, you know, innovatively and we could learn from this study as well, but trying to think more innovatively about, okay, like, how as a society are we inefficient? Like if we could just do this with our entire lives, right? And ask like, what, yeah. what, how are we inefficient? How can we squeeze out more hours in the day to do stuff that we actually enjoy so that we're not working, we're not doing less in a day. We're doing the same amount. We're just doing it smarter. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think it's really important. And it seems like this might be a way to do it. One of the ways is to think about how many hours we actually spend at work. And, you know, one of the things they talked about was that people 
you know, cut down their, instead of having like really long coffee breaks and lunches, they, because they knew they could leave at a certain time, it's this whole idea that people don't work those full eight hours anyways. And if they're like, oh, I'm leaving 30 minutes early, um, I still want to get the stuff done. So maybe my coffee break goes from 25 minutes to 10 minutes. So obviously I still want you to take a break. That's important. But if you're more efficient in the way that you manage your time and your breaks, then you can easily get the same amount of stuff done um, and just leave versus just sitting there being like, well, I can't clock out until X time. So I'm going to just sit here. <laughs> right. Exactly. And um, I remember, I won't say which job it was, but I remember I had this job that like, it was just like really boring and it was required that you were just like at your desk all the time. And I was like, this is really annoying because there's other stuff that I could get done. And I had like a lot of other things, you know, to do. And so I would, I noticed that a lot of other people had a similar thing. Like they didn't have as much to do. And it would have been helpful if we could have like scattered our working hours different ways, because sometimes I would like go home and then I would have to work on something because it would come in at the end of the day or something. But like, for an hour during the day when I was just sitting there and I didn't have anything to do, I could have used that time to do what I could have done at after work. Like it was like stupid. And, but we yeah. were like forced to be at our desk. So I noticed that people would get up and go get coffee all the time. And there was like a Starbucks near the office. So people would get up all the time and like, Oh, I'm going to go get coffee. I'm going to go get coffee. And so it was like this thing of like, I'm bored. I'll spend 20 minutes walking over and getting coffee. So I started doing it too because everybody else was doing it and it was like boring so much of the time. But then I was like spending so much money on coffee and I wasn't making as much money as like the other people. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I just had like a literal empty cup in my office and I uh, empty Starbucks cup and I would like put it in my bag and then I would just like go walk around like it was like attached to a mall. I would like go walk around for 10 minutes <laughs> and then just like come back with my empty cup. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love that. You're like, I'm too poor for the coffee, but I want to walk am, and just leave. I was like, but everybody else gets to leave if you go buy coffee. And I just don't want to buy the coffee, but I still want to like walk around because it's so boring. So, but like it was so much wasted time in my day. And then it would be irritating mm -hmm. because then it would be like, oh, 6 p.m., something comes in. Oh, you have to work on it for two hours. Like, okay, well, if I had gotten done what I wanted to do between 6 and 8 p.m. during 1 and 3 when I didn't have anything to do, then it wouldn't be that annoying. Like, you know, it was just like stupid. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's inefficient. It's not helpful for anybody. Um, yeah, but what they did in the study actually to kind of like piggyback off some of what you said is they were looking to see – because one of the things that can happen, right, is like what you just described, where then now you have to work overtime. Obviously, if your schedule and your shifts and things were more flexible, that would be a totally different story. Um, you would have been able to probably do those within the two hours that you wasted elsewhere and not have had to do overtime. Right. But one of the concerns in the study or that people that were bringing up is like, well, great. So maybe they're going to cut their hours to 35 hours a week, but are they going to be working more overtime? So then it's not really that it's a shorter work week. Like, do they actually achieve a shorter work week? So they mm -hmm. did look at this, which I thought was super interesting because what they found, as I mentioned, they used some organizations that are within the government. So like, for example, the Reykjavik Child Protection Services were included in the study. And the thing is that there's obviously emergencies and things that might happen with an organization like that. And so what they found is that when they had people that were on call, their overtime did go up 
the number of hours they had of overtime went up compared to the number of hours of overtime they had before. Mm-hmm. However, their actual amount of work time decreased. So, for example, they said that there was a situation where their overtime went up three hours per month. But they had already saved 16 hours per month mm-hmm. compared to they worked 16 hours per month less with three hours more overtime, which meant that they worked 13 hours total less than they did gotcha. before. Gotcha. So it was still a reduction of work time, even when they had emergencies, even when they had to deal with their overtime. Yeah. So they were just flexing it around a little bit more um, and, you know, dealing with some stuff after hours that they wouldn't normally have. But they were it wasn't like it was just like, oh, displacement of hours. It was still more rare. Exactly. So it was still like they still had shorter work weeks than they did in the previous world. Um, It just was allotted differently. Right. So. Gotcha. It was still a big one. Well, that's cool. Still a big one. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So they had that. They looked again. They looked to see if anything was um, different in terms of productivity. We talked about that. Not so much. Everything looked good there. When they looked at well-being, I wanted just to kind of show some quotes. Like people just generally felt happier at work. So there's a quote that someone said like this reduction in hours shows increased respect for the individual that we're not just machines that just work all day. We get sleep and get back to work. That's not what we are, but that we are persons with desires and private lives and families and hobbies. So people were feeling like their personal life was respected more. Mm -hmm. They said that their symptoms of stress were reduced. So they looked at that to see what symptoms they had and that was all reduced during the shortened work week. So they had fewer symptoms of stress than people in the control group that didn't have a shortened work week. Um, They felt more energized. They had more energy for other activities after work, such as exercise, friends, and hobbies. Um, And that actually helped them feel better the next day when they got back to work because they were rejuvenated. You know what we talk about all the time. Recovery. Yes, exactly. So people were feeling much better when they got back to work. So they're more engaged when they were at work. Um, And then we get back to this work-life balance discussion, which was really interesting because they did look a little bit at at parents specifically and seeing that parents were saying that they were spending more time with their children. And then that actually had this really interesting ripple effect where it'd be like, okay, so now the kids don't have to be at... Um, they called it play school, but I'm guessing that's like their daycare. Yeah. Uh, they were able to bring their kids home from play school earlier. And then it actually said it alleviated stress in the play school employees because now mm-hmm. people were actually picking their kids up on time or there were fewer kids that had to stay really late. So they had less stress in their work too. So it kind of oh, had this like ripple cool. effect. Yeah. That's really cool. So I thought that was really interesting. There's so much to unpack. Like I'm going to definitely make sure this is linked so everyone can read it themselves. Yeah, totally. But but there's one more thing I wanted to bring up and that is about errands and home duties and things like that. So people had said that obviously it's easier to do errands during the week. They were able to do more of their homework, you know, housework during the, during the day. Um, during the week, again, giving them more time for themselves and for other activities on the weekends. Um, they felt less stress at home overall. 
And that's probably because they got stuff done. So they didn't feel like they had to just work all the time. But then they did talk about uh, specifically how gender was impacted in heterosexual couples. um, Because... Men said that they were taking more, of course men did, that now they're taking on more home duties. Um, Women said it was not as much as the men thought, but (laughs) overall, there actually did seem to be a bit of a shift. So while it wasn't as egalitarian as the male participants thought, there was a shift that more household labor was being done by men during this shortened work week than there was during a normal work week. So there was a little bit of a shift. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah. It's interesting in any couple study that you see when people report their working hours and their home hours, everyone overestimates the amount of hours that they do work at home, but men overestimate by like double as much as women. So I'm not super (laughs) surprised to hear that. Um, uh, So yeah, that's like a common pattern in um, this in uh like time use studies is that we know that there's over reporting in terms of the time use on household duties uh that uh men men put in there but so yeah. that's pretty normal i think but i'm glad to see that there was a, an increase um in terms of uh, or a slight increase in terms of how much time was spent even though folks said that maybe it was a little overblown in general yeah yes yeah exactly the definitely they may have overestimated but Again, it still did make it a little bit better. And we did see more men doing more work. So then now not only do the men take on more housework, but then the women are now not only gaining more time because their work hours are shorter, but also they're getting more time because their partners are helping out a bit more. So now they're getting a lot of benefit there. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And they talked a lot. I mean, they went into so much detail about other things, like how did it impact their friendships and the social relationships they had? And obviously, you can imagine it was all very positive. So there's a lot of information around how it impacted people from a wellness perspective. And they also talked, oh, there's a whole section on how it impacted managers. So one thing that's really important, which I think is a good takeaway, too, for leaders, you know, is this whole concept of leading by example, And they talked a lot about how important it was for them to lead by example so that other people did the same thing. So because the leaders were actually, they felt like they were being told they need to lead by example. They felt very accountable to that. So then they did it. And therefore, they were actually working fewer hours. So they they did the same thing. And then because of that, they had better wellness and then had better relationships with their people. Like, I mean, it was like a win, 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 win everywhere. Yeah. All these ripple effects, which is amazing. Um, and I think that it really speaks to the fact that if anyone ever says that people want to work fewer hours because they're lazy, I think that a big takeaway for me from this is like, no, people are actually using this time to like spend quality time with family members. They're helping out more in the household. They're getting more errands done. They're picking up their kids from school and playing with them. You know, like It's not that people want to be inactive or inert. It's just that we're all juggling a lot of things. And in order to make all that work in a way that makes you a happy whole person, you need to have some flexibility and 
cutting down on the amount of overwork that people are doing by finding more efficient ways to do work makes so much sense because there's no reason for you to sit in an office when there are other things that you could be putting your time and energy towards that are important to you. If you could squeeze out some time, you know, maybe you take a shorter lunch break, but that's okay because you know that you get to go home earlier. Or maybe you, you know, find more efficient ways of doing your work. Like if you can get work done in a shorter period of time and then use that time to put your energy towards other things that are important to you, that is a win-win. And it seems like it had all these cascading effects. So I think it really speaks to the idea that human beings want to expend a lot of energy during the day doing things that they find fulfilling and meaningful. And that cuts across work and family. So um, look at all the positive community impacts that happen as a result of this. Um, so it's not just that people are lazy or they don't want to do stuff. It's that they want to do a lot of things. It's just not everything has to happen in the realm of work. Exactly. And they talk to the managers. And I think a big fear is this productivity issue, which obviously we've debunked, right? The productivity stayed the same or got better. However, even when that happens, right? Even when you see productivity not changing, I feel like there's sometimes this um, bias that leaders or managers have that are like, well, no, that can't be right. Like they're not doing as much work now or whatever. But when they actually were interviewing people and digging in deeper, the managers were all saying that they haven't seen a decrease in the, the mm-hmm. amount of work that's done, like the workload that's, you know, been there. They haven't had to like reduce projects. They haven't had to change what is expected of the team that all stayed the same. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that a big takeaway here is that we all could find more efficient ways to do our work. And if people find more efficient ways to do their work, the best thing to do isn't then to say, okay, great. Now you can squeeze in this other thing that I want you to do, but rather to ensure that you're keeping a same cadence that you would, um, expectations are similar and yet you allow people to have some more time back in their day and look at the positive impacts that happen on productivity. When you do that, the positive impacts that happen on uh, work-life balance and well-being and all the different impacts it has on the community. So that's probably a good exercise for people to engage in. Sit down with your team and say, how can we be more efficient? And any time that you get back to create efficiencies, you just get back. I know. Wouldn't that be great? Like I wish yeah. people would be able to do that. And I think this is also, you know, obviously a good takeaway for yourself, for your leaders, um, or if you're a manager, but then as an organization, organizations really need to pay attention. These, this is not the first study of its kind, right? There's other research out there like this. We've talked about it before on um, our website where we talked about Microsoft study a few years back um, in Japan. So like we've seen this before. This is not the first study. This is probably the first study that's been this thorough and this long. I've never, I would never have expected this trial to have been like five years long, but it was. And the results are great. And I think that we can learn from that and be like, okay, well, look at this. Iceland is running just fine. <laughs> They're doing fine. And people are happier again, right? They're now able to take some time and and feel good about their personal lives as well. So now they can compete with their Nordic sisters <laughs> across the, the world to, to be the best uh, in terms of how people feel for their like life satisfaction. So I'm sure that number will go up for Iceland over time because the big result of all of this is that they actually made changes within the whole country. Wow. So there were, the government came together, like 
So again, this kind of goes to like the structural differences between countries, right? We talked about this a bit when we discussed Finland because they have something similar with like the trade unions, working with the government, working with leaders of companies, like a little bit more collaboratively than what we see in the States. Um, So that was definitely something that happened. And so there was an agreement that was signed with all these trade unions and these different confederations and organizations that kind of lead the charge of what work is like. And now... 86% of Iceland's entire working population has either moved to working shorter hours or have had new mechanisms that they can now negotiate shorter hours in their workplace. Mm -hmm. So there's, there is a little bit of a gap of some people, but then this is also not taking into account part-time workers. So that could be also that some of those people were already part-time, right? So anyways, regardless, long story short, we... They're seeing a huge shift as a country because now all of this has come into play and the entire country is basically moving towards these shorter work days. That's awesome. What a good data-driven solution to creating public policy. That's awesome. I love that as a case study. Wish that we could do more of that. Um, That's actually an amazing example of how to get that done. Yeah, I love it. I was super excited to read about it more. You know, I've been seeing this art, like the articles pop up, you know, the the news types of articles about this. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read this whole research report and see what's in here. And nothing in there to me was like, oh, well, I don't know if this would actually work elsewhere. No, it right. really felt very solid and how they did it and what they were able to find. And again, not a huge difference even. They just dropped five hours and that made enough of a difference for people to feel like they had more balance they had more time to do other things in their personal lives and that made people feel a lot better and productivity was the same or in some cases better that's awesome very exciting i love this i'm so glad you found this report uh, we were you were thinking outside the box a little bit here in terms of where we usually <laughs> go for articles, and I think it's really helpful. And I wish more organizations and more countries could use data driven approaches to thinking about ways to improve work life balance. So this is awesome. Yeah, loved it, and I hope everybody listening also enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback. Um, And if you're in Iceland, oh my gosh, please send us a note. Tell us, first of all, about how beautiful your country is. And then tell us about what this was like from an insider perspective when these trials are going on and when these changes have been implemented. So I'm very curious. You can always find us on our website, workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. And you can also contact us on social media at workerbeing on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, as always, we have courses available if you want to learn more about how to reduce your stress, how to manage stress, or how to build a sustainable career, please check them out. They're on our website and there'll be a link in our show notes. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson.